From Vistio, this is Recorded for Quality Assurance, an interview series where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and simplifying the process of delivering great customer service. So today we have with us Joe Rice, the CEO of CXponent. Joe has a long career as a successful executive and business owner in the CX space focused on advisory and implementation services for IT communications and networking infrastructure, including deep expertise in the vendor evaluation and assessment. Welcome to the pod, Joe. Do I have your permission to record this call for quality assurance? Yes, you do. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for taking the time out of your day to be here with us, Joe. Joe, to start us off, can you give our listeners some insights into your background professionally, where you started and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so uh, majority of my career uh, before being an entrepreneur was was in sales. Uh, started as an enterprise telecom sales rep um, and uh, worked for AT and T and then CenturyLink, uh, which is now Lumen. Uh, and in, uh, in 2012, uh, I decided to make the jump to the kind of indirect or referral partner channels, um, where a lot of these big Gartner ranked vendors across contact center and unified communications and, and networking have these really robust programs uh, that uh, enable partners or referral brokers or agents uh, to basically add value around the, the purchasing process. Uh, so I went to a, a company called Avant Communications, which is kind of a distributor for uh, those, those types of services, and they add value and other resources uh, to people like us who, who work directly with clients. So uh, as I went to Avant in 2012, uh, we really saw uh, it was the early days of cloud, um, and you know this the, this industry and the referral industry was born out of the telecom channel, um, which was a lot about brokering quotes on a spreadsheet uh, off of price. Didn't have a lot of business context uh, involved in that that kind of sales process. So uh, my uh, former partner and I uh, realized there was an opportunity to to add more value around helping clients adopt cloud. Uh, and there were there was a lot more layers to purchasing cloud services, especially contact center services, than looking at comparing features and trying to compare uh, things and vendors on a, on a spreadsheet. So uh, we spun off and, and started a company called Liquidity in 2014. Um, and we were really focused on kind of billion to 10 billion in revenue, uh, multinational uh, and really with the folks on the contact center space uh, along with networking and, and we unified communications. Um, I was sold my interest in that last year and uh, took some time off uh, during the pandemic with, with family and then have, have launched a new firm that's in a similar space called CXponent. And uh, we're really focused on kind of the mid-market uh, and helping clients uh, at an advisory level uh, really understand that the interconnectedness of the decisions they make and the trade-offs around all of all of the vendors available in the market, uh, which there are many and the technologies are all really good. So uh, sometimes getting through the details and understanding the client's current context can be difficult. Great. That leads me to my next question. So you have this long career working in all these different aspects of the CX industry. What do you feel are the main pain points you've seen regarding contact center technology, but specifically the technology that's used to aid in customer service? Yeah, I think um, the, the way we see it, there's, uh, I think, consensus and alignment uh, is one of the, the main things. And, and really what, what we see that is 
the primary uh, area that needs help often is between IT and the business. Um, IT is operating some on-premise infrastructure for call centers. If they're, you know, if they're in the middle of a cloud transition, that they're going to be giving up responsibilities, and the business is going to be taking on new ad administrative responsibilities and kind of the getting aligned on the business case, the funding, who's doing what, both on the implementation and, and more importantly, the operating model. Um, and having clarity around that is, is something that we've seen, uh, you know, often clients can use some help uh, accelerating that because ultimately there are different uh, interests and, and stakeholders involved even beyond business and IT. And that go goes as far as finance, procurement, security and compliance, legal. Uh, and uh, that's one of those areas that we, we really think uh, can slow down clients and getting the benefits of, of the contact center technology. Uh, the other is, is application integrations. Um, you know, I think there's, it's easy to, to buy into the promise of uh, easy APIs and being able to integrate uh, data from different systems. Um, but, you know, slowing down to define as a client what you really want, what you need. Um, and then also how you're going to be able to maintain and improve those integrations over time is uh, something that we see often uh, oversighted. And it's kind of combining this operational model, which the contact center and business unit folks are really excellent at. And how do we use technology to enable that? Uh, because the technology on its own uh, is, is not going to drive the benefits uh, by itself. It, there's got to be other changes and improvements that, that come along with that. And so um, you know, I guess kind of one, one additional thing on that is the idea that this can be a lifted shift and we can just rip this old infrastructure and put it in the cloud and it's going to be easy or it's just going to work uh, the way it used to, you know, is, is another one of those things that uh, just really ha we haven't seen work successfully. So you were talking about, you know, a lot of the communication that needs to occur between these different sectors inside of an, an organization. And what do you think have been some of the solutions for these pain points that you just mentioned. Um, but also, what do you think are one of the ways that we can enable better communication now that we have so many people, some agents are working from home, some of leadership is working from home or remote, and then we have some individuals in the organization that are on site. What do you think are some of the ways that we can um, ensure that communication and the things that we're using to implement or implement the technology uh, what are the best ways that we can do that? What are some of the ways that you advise individuals to do that? Yeah, well, you know, I think there there's kind of two segments to that. One, one is, I think, you know, less about the, the technology enablement and more about, you know, how where do we start the, the buying and implementation process from? And, um, you know, I think we kind of view these things as three different stages uh, of the journey. There's the planning stage of getting project approvals and getting alignment and consensus. There's the selection stage, which is really refining requirements and digging in to, to sift through the market vendor marketplace and understand which vendors are the right and actually negotiate the, the right contract and scope and design. And then, uh, and then there's the deployment and kind of operating model handoff. And and those three phases require different people often and stakeholders and different skill sets uh, to kind of uh, ultimately succeed, right? So there's kind of planning, which is the foundation. There's the selection, which is really understanding what you want uh, and how you want to use it. And then the actual deployment operating model is often taken over uh, 
by people who, who weren't always involved in, in kind of the genesis of this and having integration between those phases is really important. So one of the, one of the ways we try to simplify that thing is, or those things and phases is, is realizing that there are kind of three consistent strains throughout those phases. There's the people planning, there's the financial responsibility, and, and then the, the technical design. And, you know, those, the, the work that needs to be done uh, matures and changes uh, across those phases. And if we can make it a little simpler to digest and understand that, you know, the journey of a design is about architecture at the highest level, then refining the technical requirements, then gets negotiated into a service order, and then actually gets deployed and configured on, on the system. You know, those are dis different phases and people that need to, to uh, be ultimately be integrated and, and consulted to, to get those things right. And then there's, you know, the, the same, same type of thing for finance in terms of getting the, the business case funded negotiating the best deal, estimating and forecasting uh, not only the cost and how they're going to change, uh, but also what the business benefits are. Um, and so, yeah, that's the that's kind of how we try to tie these things together and understand um, uh, and, and create uh, alignment uh, across those things, create clear responsibilities, really. That's great. So how do you think some of those roles have changed as far as we we talk about these three phases and that there are certain benchmarks in those three phases and what do you think the impact have been that you've seen with your clients um due to like we were talking about the remote work environment well yeah i i think um well one of the things that's changed is from an architecture and design and just thinking through how the, these technologies are going to be used is um, they used to be uh, kind of thought architected from a location centric standpoint, meaning where are our data centers, where all our apps sit, and then where are our locations and office buildings, where all of our people sit. And uh, people build security and understood kind of basically how the applications flew or uh, flow from data center uh, all the way to the user from that location centric uh, uh, thinking. And that clearly is uh, it is no longer going to be the case. Hybrid working is here to stay, and so you know I think one is a little bit of a mindset shift on when we think about design. It's where are all of these cloud apps, which often could be you know if you're integrating with Salesforce and a nice in contact or a Genesis and a Power BI for for database, you've got all these different clouds and apps uh, that have their own requirements and security and architecture uh, that that need to be designed. But more importantly, how do we how do we deliver those apps securely and reliably to the work from anywhere uh, of people? Um, I think those answers are actually different for every client, and that's part of what's difficult. I think for clients to buy these technologies is one: it's a little difficult to understand differentiation between the vendors. You know, using ACD IVR type and routing and platforms as an example with the Genesis or Nice and Contact, they're both great products. So differentiation is difficult. Now, every client does have their own unique constraints and opportunities uh, that, that they need to build around and architect in based on uh, you know, what their existing infrastructure is. And I, th I think understanding those unique things and uh, opportunities and constraints for clients is really the context that can make those better decisions. So remote workers uh, are supported uh, and ult ultimately considered in how these decisions and, and that science get built. So what do you wish more 
people understood about contacts and our processes, best practices and technology. And if you could, could you give it from the um, perspective of what you wish leaders of organizations who are purchasing this software, you wish they understood more or even down to perhaps a supervisor or manager on the actual contact center floor? Yeah, I, I think I, I think the one of the biggest things is anchoring the decisions uh, in not only how you buy, but in how the products get configured and deployed in business issues. And you know what are what are truly the strategic business objectives uh, that contact center are looking for, and that's you know it could be reduction in contact rate or just overall interactions. That could be an increase in uh, you know average handle time. There are obviously a lot of metrics that contact centers have been uh, tightly managing to in in a lot of different ways. And throughout this deployment, I, we, I, I feel like clients often or have a tendency to lose sight of that, at least from not at the top, but from the top uh, simmering down to all the people who are going to be making and, and deploying and making the decisions on how these uh, systems get deployed, that the tech is going to solve a lot of these things and the tech is just an enabler. Um, and so I think really having this connectivity between what are the business issues? What are the operational changes that, that we can make now because of this technology, as opposed to how can this tech transform our organization? You know, the, the, the people and the processes and ultimately the, the mindset of um, reading and reacting and adjusting on, for these cloud, cloud uh, systems is, is, is very important. And it's still gotta be rooted in change uh, on, on the client side at, that's not just related to the technology. So what resources or specific individuals do you regularly reference to stay on top of industry trends and news? Um, yeah, so I, I would say at the high level in terms of, you know, how vendors are maturing and kind of where, where they're, they're going, uh, people like Forrester, actually Jay McVeigh on, on Forrester is one, and he, he really covers more of the channel and the technology side and how these vendor partners are, are investing in, in resources to make the customer experience better for their clients. Um, so yeah, For Forrester and Gartner are kind of the, at the highest level. Uh, there, there's uh, a, an analyst uh, named Sheila McGee-Smith uh, who covers the contact center industry pretty well. Um, uh, Sinead Alward, which is a former client of ours. Um, she was a VP of contact center technology at Endurance Warranty, uh, puts a lot of great stuff out there on LinkedIn. And then there are a couple other uh, folks that more about around personal relationships of mine. Um, Dominic Pasta, who's uh, the lead contact center uh, rollout in a project we worked on at, at Groupon. Uh, and he's got, since gone on to Quicken Loans and an Aon has had uh, just a, a nice career path and is really understands at that intersection of business and tech. Um, and then another woman uh, and colleague of mine uh, named Melissa Copeland who uh, has just, I, I learned a lot through uh, working with her and, and kind of as a, a you know, a, a colleague on how this contact center operational mindset, well, and changes, how, how that's really gotta be the anchored in, in creating business value and the, and the tech is an enabler around that. Um, in terms of uh, another podcast or a publication I do listen to is uh, there's an intercom podcast. Uh, Intercom's a, a kind of chat, uh, and messaging tool uh, for often for SaaS companies. 
they've got a lot of customer experience and uh, uh, good content on, on their podcast as well. Excellent. I'll have to check it out. I didn't know Intercom had their own podcast. That's great. So moving yeah, forward. stuff on there. Yeah, great. Uh, moving forward into my favorite part of this is where we kind of, it's almost for my own personal gain, is uh, what career practical advice do you have for people looking to grow their skills and impact the technology used in contact center management? Well, you, you know, I, I talked about this a little bit. You know, I, I think understanding the business issues and how operational improvements can impact those um, and then using tech as kind of like the, the enabler, I just think is a, is a really important thing. If we can anchor and understand both sides of those, there's, there's a lot of power in translating uh, the, the, those couple things. I would say maybe even a, a step higher than that though, is that all, all every organization that we work with, um, and, I, and I think this is true in, in many, is that the, the people and the personalities and the organization uh, are, are actually what's holding back the adoption of technology and, and, you know, in the way of getting these technology benefits. And, you know, another way to say that is this technology doesn't configure itself. It's going to take people and collaboration to, to go do that. And, and, and that goes, you know, all the way from who are the people who are managing and supervisors to the agents and what is their life like today and how can we make it better and put them in a better position to succeed is, you know, um, as, as you guys know very well, um, the agent is the frontline interaction with the customer. And, uh, you know, there's actually another uh, person I've learned a lot from the contact center industry uh, named Ryan Stenard, who's uh, director of customer experience at Bose. And he's, he kind of always has this rhetorical question, which is, your agents are closer to your clients than anyone else uh, on the planet, really, especially when they're talking to them. So how are we going to do that? Or what are we doing to, to create value or, around those interactions? And so when I think about like the people side of this business and the empathy and the uh, understanding that I, that I think uh, can ultimately the benefits of having that perspective, uh, that, that's, that's something that you know, I think of if people launch into their careers understanding the interpersonal dynamics and helping others succeed uh, is, is a good way to go. It's, uh, you know, it's pretty good foundational advice uh, for a good career. I think that's such good advice for having empathy for those individuals who are on the front lines and just exactly what you said, why wouldn't you want to be enabling your individuals who are most likely the only touch point with your client ever? They're the only yes. human voice that they ever have in associate with your business. So why wouldn't you want to be setting those individuals up for success in regards to technology or even um, how you're making their work environment better. So I completely agree with that. If you, Joe, if you could talk to your younger self, uh, what would you warn yourself about or tell yourself to do differently in regards to your career? Um, you know, I, I think that uh, th this is advice I, I've given a lot of uh, former employees and people I've, I've mentored it, is that, you know, it, everyone is, is trying to figure, figure out their careers and their issues and, and ultimately what's in front of them, you know, from a, a business objective standpoint, like everyone is learning a, a lot along the way, even when people show up and are experienced and, 
and you know act like they've been there before and maybe they have been there before that you know there's there's no way any any one individual is going to have all the answers and and i think for, for for me what how it would have helped is like just you know being able to take a deep breath and realize like i don't need to know all the answers i don't need to get to a certain point of knowledge or expertise to to engage and, and add value and ultimately release some of that fear and you know, everyone, at least in, in this buying advisory space, especially, you know, they need to buy this technology to make progress and they need help. And, you know, very few people expect complete perfection on knowing every single detail. And so, you know, it's kind of just the idea that if you go ask questions and are very curious and understand uh, and kind of anchor in the client issues and constraints and opportunities that they have, um, you know, that, that, that really can guide, uh, ultimately, or should guide kind of what your behavior is, as, as opposed to thinking you need to get to a certain spot, and then you'll be good enough to, to add value or, or help clients. Great answer, Joe. And on that, let's leave on a positive note with the understanding of curiosity and always looking to learn more on the job, I think is a great way to end the podcast today. Joe, thanks for joining me and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. This has been recorded for Quality Assurance. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And to learn more about Fistio, visit fistio.io.